We move to our final speaker, Tom Lang, who is a laboratory favourite and we're very happy to invite him back to the stage. He's a science communicator and comedian. He's done shows at Melbourne Fringe, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. In his spare time, he collects board games and doomsday scenarios. He's that good that I know he's going to do this, so I'm going to do it for him. <laughs> Tom. I'm not as good as him at doing this. Thank you so much. It always takes up the first 10 seconds of my talk unwrapping the thing. Um, hi. Uh, my, my day job, actually, before I start, is, um, is working at ScienceWorks. I run the workshops there. And if anybody likes ScienceWorks, we're doing some adults' nights on the 15th and 22nd when you can come and build padlocks and take apart toys and make robots and things like that. Anyway, check it out. Look at the website. Um, but yes, hi. Uh, I have... Uh, really zero formal background in um, medical research science or Chinese history. So strap in because I'm about to actually just butcher my way through several decades of complex political struggle, pharmacology and uh, Chinese pronunciation. Because if you've noticed two things about me already, one is that I've already committed to shorts weather and two, <laughs> two is that I'm very, very white. Uh, and I take, my approach to foreign pronunciation is trying not to try too hard. It's why when I order f, I say fo. Because I know it's f, but I don't want to seem like I think I know what I'm talking about. Because I really don't. And I'm probably still wrong. So bear with me, okay? Because I'm going to talk about um, 2015 Nobel Prize winner uh, and total science badass, Tu Yu Yu. Um, I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm probably not, and I apologise to anybody who knows better. Uh, she discovered the best current treatment of malaria, and it's a fascinating story. It's one I wasn't aware of until I started Wikipediaing it four days ago. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So, our story begins in the Vietnam War, all right? Cue the music. There's no music. In the Vietnam War... <laughs> Uh, it's 1967, right? North Vietnam is fighting South Vietnam, USA, probably some of our parents. Um, and enemy combatants, though, on both sides are not taking nearly the same toll that malaria is, specifically a very nasty strain of chloroquine-resistant chloroquine malaria, which is just killing a lot of people. So Ho Chi Minh gets on the blower to Chinese Premier Zhao Enlai to ask for help in dealing with it, right? Zhao Enlai gets on to Chairman Mao, tells him this is a problem. Chairman Mao knows that malaria also a big deal in China of the time, okay? And he says, right, that's it. I'm going to set up a secret military research project to try and solve malaria once and for all uh, called Project 523, which all sounds pretty sweet, right? Chairman Mao... Uh, famous patron of the sciences. Now, <laughs> if you're not sure why that was funny, keep in mind this is in the middle of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, which I wikipedia today, and it is a whole other 10-minute talk. Okay? <laughs> Basically, it was an incredibly bad time for any kind of education, science, intellectual free thinking in general, uh, because if you were an academic, you were in real danger of, like, persecution, exile to the countryside at best. Okay, at worst, basically anything could happen to you. Uh, it was a very nasty time. And so you can see why it's kind of a big deal for Mao to turn around and say, hey, by the way, scientists, we need 500 of you for a secret military research project. Um, 
And for a research scientist at the time, that is, for many reasons, an offer you could not refuse. <laughs> now, the scientists were in two main groups, okay? Half of them were looking for modern synthetic compounds which could solve malaria. The other half was looking at traditional Chinese medical compounds which could solve malaria. Any guesses which was more effective? Where are your biases at? It was not the synthetic compounds. They did not pay off. Okay, the USA, China were both looking for malarial cures at the time. Between them, tested around a quarter of a million different scientific, synthetic, modern compounds. None of them really did what they were after. None of them were both effective and safe. So, phase two, they got two yu uh, from the Institute of Chinese Materia Medica of the Academy of Traditional Chinese Medicine to assemble and lead a research team looking at more of the ancient remedies, seeing if there was anything there which had some basis which could be useful for modern malarial treatment. She rustled up around 2,000 recipes, ancient texts, uh, texts folk remedies for her research, okay? At the time, they did not have family-sized pizzas, so they couldn't use that old cure. Uh, that is going to make no sense for anyone listening to the recording. I apologize for that. Um, her team tested around 200 traditional herbs before they stumbled on something called Artemisia anua, okay, which you'll know, obviously, is sweet wormwood, or as the Chinese called it, xinghao. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Um, it was basically a weedy daisy, okay? It's this straggly roadside thing. Uh, the old wisdom said it was good for intermittent fevers, which you'll know is malaria, um, and her team actually had some luck killing malarial parasites with it. They, they got a little bit of... They got a little bit of success, enough to keep them trying, and then suddenly they had no success at all. It just, it just stopped working. And so, two went back to the literature. Now, 1,600 years ago, nobody was really up to scratch on molecules or proteins or germ theory or any of that. Okay, back then, if you were a Western scientist, it was all bile and elements and miasma. If you were a Chinese scientist, it was heat and heat and cold and chi and things like that, okay? But a lot of that stuff had some basis in reality. Um, and if there was one thing the Chinese were good at back then, it was writing shit down, okay? They took some very good notes. And so she rustled up in a 1,600-year-old recipe from an ancient text called The Handbook of Prescriptions for Emergency Treatments to Keep Up One's Sleeve. <laughs> That's probably not the literal translation. Um, my Mandarin's not great. <laughs> it's said to soak your wormwood in two shangs of cold water before you drink it, okay? And 1,600 years ago, they tested this shit. That water was probably cold for a reason. They'd been boiling their wormwood. It's been ruining it, right? So, thank you, 4th century Chinese alchemist Ko Hong. Turns out they, they tried using a, a process of cold ether extraction, they got some useful compounds, they tested them on the mice and the monkeys, and they nailed it. Malaria fixed, right? They just, it's, and then they had to test on humans, and of course, because, uh, because Tu was a total badass scientist, like, like all the badass scientists we talk about here, she tested it on herself first, totally safe. Tested it on a bunch more people, totally safe. 100% malarial killing power, right? Um, they called this discovery, uh, Artemisinin. Art Artem Look, there is a YouTube channel I looked up which tells you how to pronounce medical words, and that disembodied voice stumbles on artemisinin. It's got too many anins. Artemisinin. Anyway, right. 
totally destroys malaria. It's like the best anti-malarial we have to this day. It's so good, in fact, it's so valuable to modern anti-malarial treatment that they usually pair it with some other anti-malarials. Okay, not because it needs them, but just to make sure there's no witnesses that can go off and warn the rest of the malaria. All right, so they published this outside China first in 1979. Uh, in 1981, the UN, the WHO, were able to collaborate uh, and bring it to the rest of the world. Um, but at the time, okay, according to the, you know, the culture, uh, the, the drug was sort of credited to the team as a whole. The whole uh, the project research team was, was on the paper, but not sort of, like, like kind of anonymously. Okay? It wasn't until 2005 that a Western malaria researcher followed the paper trail tracked down to Yu Yu uh, by herself, and she was awarded the 2011 Lasker Award in Clinical Medicine, the 20, 2015 Nobel Prize in Medicine, making her the first Chinese Nobel Laureate uh, in Medicine, making her the first female Chinese Laureate, and making her the first Chinese recipient of the Lasker. Okay, so kind of a big deal. But I think that's kind of interesting. It's, an, it's a cultural difference there in science, because in China, the group was working collectively for the good of the group, for the good of the country. Um, oops. Uh, they published collectively, basically anonymously. And some people were a little put out that Tu accepted the awards sort of on behalf of herself. Whereas in the West, there's this culture of individualism, right? It's not enough to know that your team got a cure. They want to know who it was. You know, who do we cast Robert Downey Jr. as in the film adaptation? <laughs> Who do we put on the poster? Who dropped in that leaf? Who decided on that ether? Who picked the font? We need a person, right? Um, so it's an interesting thing. In Tu's words, and I'm not sure if this is a translation or, uh, or what, she says, we all believed in collectivism. All I wanted was to do good work at my job. Of course, I'd be nothing without my team. Foreign countries like the United States care a lot about which individual should, should claim credit. Foreigners read the historical records and they pick one. Chinese awards are given to teams, but foreign awards are different. The honor belongs to me, my team, and the entire nation. So I think that's quite nice. Um, and she's a total badass. She's still out there, age 80-something, still finding new ways to use artemisinin, still working on malaria, still just kicking science goals. Um, whether you want to look at her individually as a science hero or just as representative of her team as a whole. Um, badass. She worked in this incredibly difficult, dangerous time. Her husband was exiled to the countryside. Her daughter was basically had to be kept in a, effectively an orphanage for several, for, for a while. Um, her team were under-resourced. They were overworked. They faced persecution, deteriorating health from poor ventilation and support. And they found a drug that has saved millions of lives and continues to. Um, and I think that's amazing. And it's a real trap for people like me, maybe for some of you, um, to see scientific progress as an individualistic thing, as like a Western sort of thing, as like a modern thing, sort of bulldozing over the ignorance of the past. And it's not necessarily that. I mean, I've been guilty in the past of being dismissive of things like crystals or yoga or herbs or acupuncture. And, and while a lot of that might be garbage, a lot of it isn't. There is a lot of people, because people many thousands of years ago were doing science. They didn't have all the background we have now, but they were doing the best they could. And they knew a lot of stuff that we're only just rediscovering. So 
I think you just got to make sure that your preconceptions don't blind you, okay? Because otherwise we'd all be dying of chloroquinine-resistant malaria to this day. Um, anyway, 2UU, look it up. T-U-Y-O-U, Y-O-U. Uh, and I also have to go home and research the other guy, Chinese alchemist Ko Hong, because I clicked briefly on his Wikipedia page and it was like, and he'd done everything and he'd painted and... Ah, oh, there's so much we've got to find out. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night.